How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Guys, welcome to episode number 82 of How About That Cigar Live, live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, as always. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are live with us on Facebook or YouTube, take just a moment, share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups. Uh, jump on the comments. Tell us what you're smoking and drinking along with us this evening. Uh, we have a great guest on the show, as always, tonight. We're going to have some great conversation. Uh, but like we always are, we're brought to you from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. And we want to tell you once again about the Drew Estate Acid 20 Bronxzilla. Bronxzilla. In 2019, Drew Estate celebrated an important milestone with the global introduction of the Acid 20th anniversary and now the Acid 20 Bronxzilla, an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade offering that will be available exclusively through Alliance Cigar Company. Wrapped in a creamy, smooth Connecticut shade cover leaf over Indonesian binder and rich Nicaraguan filler, Bronxzilla is packed with bold flavor and aroma. Each 5x54 Robusto is blinged out in chrome foil and packed in a 20-count box, emblazoned with the Acid 20 logo. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com and AllianceCigars.com. So, episode number 82, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. We're already, uh, it feels like we're already halfway through November. Um, Well, and I haven't been in the studio in almost a month. Yeah, Garrett's been out sick, um, Mm -hmm. coming to us remotely from his home studio. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise known as the garage, same AKA as the garage, same as yep. the studio garage. Yep. But, uh, so back to good, you know, happy days are here again for both our football teams. Yep. So the Packers beat the San Francisco 49ers who, you know, sorry, San Fran fans, but your team is terrible. Um, so our, yeah. you know, we beat them, uh, and you guys beat, uh, Detroit, Detroit, uh, Detroit is, they're terrible. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> Detroit. So- so yeah. we both proved that we can beat bad teams. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you, you guys still have one over us where you beat us the week before that. So. Yeah, but, I mean, we split. Yeah, we split the year. We split the year. Um, NFC North, I mean, it's, it's early. But, uh, you know, NFC North At is, least we're not the NFC East. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm still, I'm still shocked. Uh, I'm still shocked by the fact that the only undefeated team left in the NFL is Pittsburgh. Is the Steelers? I was not. I, Who almost lost? I cha- <laughs> I would have to go back, but I would challenge anybody to prove <clears throat> that somebody had that as their predictor before the season started when they were doing their their season predictions for NFL that they were going to say Pittsburgh was going to be eight zero. Right. Um, I just don't see it, but, Mm-mm. uh, Kansas city again is way up there. Um, doing really well. I so. mean, that, that kid is just special. Yeah. He's he, on my fantasy team. Is he really? Yeah. But he's, he is my only good player. Uh, so I am three and six Ouch. In, in my fantasy league. Um, I yeah. just want to, one more little gloating thing for the Vikings is Dalvin cook again. I think that he is making a serious contention for MVP. Yeah, if, if uh, I agree with that, if if you know he keeps up yep. the way he is, how so can he he came? How many yards shy was he of breaking the record? Like sixteen, sixteen yards shy. So eight. Another former Viking, Adrian yeah. Peterson, has the league record for most rushing yards in a single game. Yep. Um. And he came what, 16, 16 yards, yards shy. 16 yards shy of breaking that. It's absolutely incredible. And which and uh, AP came within um, like eight yards of Dickerson's record. 
Yes. So, yeah. you know, number two for a season total. And um, we've been we've been fortunate to go from, you know, Adrian Peterson to Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And we were fortunate to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you know, that's okay. But I know okay. uh, Aaron Rodgers is. He's all right. One of the best to ever play the game. He's all right. He's yep. not as good as Tom Brady. And I say that in all honesty, as a Green Bay Packers fan who have been a Green Bay Packers fan for 30 years, that uh, um, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I think so. So I'll say that. Um, I think so. If you want to disagree, that's fine. Disagree. So we had a little bit of a thing a week ago. Uh, last week, we had uh, our show in the evening. Uh, Abe, uh, Honest Abe, Abe DeBabna from Smoke In was on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked a lot about a lot of cool stuff. But there was another thing that happened on that day, and that was Election Day 2020. Oh, was, um, was that a it, thing? It was a thing, yeah. And it took uh, many, many days. Uh, it actually took less time than I was expecting. Uh, but the the uh, the final counts were tallied, and Joe Biden was declared the winner of the election. So he is the still president. unofficial. Still un. Well, he's. But the well, the the federal election commission confirmed it. Oh, they did. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, the federal election commission confirmed it. Uh, but again, uh, just stay tuned to your TVs and your, uh, you know, uh, your favorite news channels. Um, or not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Or not. It's really just. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Just. <laughs> Uh, don't get caught up in bullshit. Yeah, I'll say that about politics. love your neighbor. Love, just love just, your neighbor. You know, live your life and do the best you can with the things you have around you, and help somebody who needs help. And mm-hmm. you know, stay out of the nonsense. But that's what we're encouraging you guys to do. Is Despite who goes into smoke, the White House, smoke and, your cigars, yeah. drink your coffee, drink your bourbon, whatever it is. Be and kind. Be kind and. You know, like we, I, I mean, we, typically we wait till the end of the show to say this uh, on every episode, but burn cigars, not bridges, not bridges. Le, the, these, these we can light on fire all we want to, but let's leave the bridges standing if we could, please. Um, all right. I'm, I, I need to be done with my uh, raving and ranting and, oh, speaking of raving and ranting, we have a great, uh, great special guest this evening. Uh, and as always, I got to bring up my graphics here. Sorry, guys. As always, our special guest segment is brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Porschewitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would please, welcome to episode number 82 for his second appearance on How About That Cigar Live from Dissident Cigars, Ben Holt. Welcome back, brother. How you guys doing? Fabulous. Doing well. Loving life. 
not paying attention to politics on Facebook, <laughs> drinking good drinks, talking to good people, smoking good cigars. That's what it's all about. Amen. I second that. Amen. Now, Ben, so do you mind if I start off with a little question? Go for it. I'd like to talk to you about Bic lighters for a minute. <laughs> all right. So these are important topics, people. Yeah. Pay attention. Yep. Get this ready is, to take this notes. Is a, this is the, the hard-hitting journalism cigar media you guys have been waiting for. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm scrolling through. So I watched, rewatched our episode and was like, you know, we can't obviously, you know, Matt does the same thing. And um, going through your Instagram and, you know, quite often there's a big lighter there. And on top of that, I even come across a post with just a pile of Bic lighters. And you're like, the only thing I use is Bic lighter. Yep. Talk to me about Bic lighters. I, mean, I used to use butane lighters and stuff like that all the time. But, um, you know, when you're traveling around a lot on the airplanes, you really can't bring them, for one. Um, two, I had a tendency to always kind of misplace, misplace you know, those mm-hmm. nice butane lighters. And when you go down to Nicaragua, you don't really have butane lighters you know you're going to use a big you know yeah. i mean that's where you're going to light up the cigars with the trium you know they're reliable you know there's a little running joke that when people who go down there they call it they call it the the nika dupont you know it's always <laughs> there it's, I love it. it's reliable it's cheap and you know if, if you run out of it and it'll take months for it to run out of fuel you know and i i also like it because it actually makes you take your time to light your cigar you know and light mm-hmm. it correctly. Um, so I mean, I've, I've that's why I've kind of just gravitated towards the big old reliable. Yeah, I love it. I rem- I'll never forget the first time I went to Nicaragua. Um, that you know, you know, I obviously was told ahead of time, don't bring a can of butane, don't bring any torches with you, leave all that stuff at home. Um, and I get there and. Somebody holds up this Ziploc bag filled with, and they weren't even the big Bic lighters. They were the little tiny baby ones. They hold up this Ziploc bag full of Bic lighters and said, okay, here, grab, everybody grab one. I went, what the hell? I got it. Okay. But you just get used to it when you're, you know, after like the, the second day, it's, you're just used to using uh, uh, the Bic lighters in it. Uh, and I'm with you. I, I've been using Bic lighters forever. Uh, I typically use, um, uh, torches now, uh, just because I'm I'm a super impatient guy. I know I need to be more patient when it comes to, especially lighting my cigars. But um, I'm I'm not a patient person. I'm working on that. <laughs> but I challenge anybody who, and I've seen it a few times where people have said I can taste the difference between a bic lighter and a butane lighter. Yeah, let's do a taste challenge on that because I call I bullshit. call yeah you're not. You're, I mean it's uh, it's it's it's, ta- it's odorless, tasteless that they put in bic. You know, um, yeah. you're not you're not going to get it. Um, you know, the, and the the Bic has actually made me slow down and pay attention to what I'm doing. You know, lighting, and you know, you see a lot of guys, and I, you know, I everybody sees in that lounge, or they take that they take the butane, they put it right up to that freaking and just push oh. the shit out of that cigar, and it's like makes me cringe. So I was like, I'd rather you use a Bic. You know, take your time with it. You know, mm-hmm. that actually reminds me of. Um, I don't know if you've seen the the interview that Marvin Shankin from Cigar Aficionado did with Michael Jordan. 
Um, great interview. And uh, it actually, they, they recorded it a long time ago, but because of some contractual things, they couldn't release it for a while. And when they finally released it, I, I was anticipating. I sat down and watched it. There's one scene uh, toward the, when they get to their second cigar. And and these are, I mean, this is Marvin Shankin and Michael Jordan. So they're not, they're not pulling out, I'm, you know, sorry, General, but they're not pulling out Macanudos. And, you know, they're not pulling out like factory roll bundle cigars. They're pulling out 40 and 50 year old boxes of Cubans and lighting up these cigars. And Marvin Shankin, God bless his heart, he charred the shit out of the wrapper on this cigar. And, he, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's like a, a, a Partagas from 1940 or some shit like that. And he turned it into a chunk of charcoal. Oh, my God. And I was just so sad for that cigar. I thought, man, that cigar has been, been sitting in anticipation, waiting to be enjoyed by somebody for decades and decades and decades. And this poor old man, and I, I understand he was, he was maybe even a little nervous. He's got Michael Jordan sitting next to him. He's got to, you know, he's got to be on his game, you know, doing the interview with questions and everything. And maybe he wasn't paying close attention to, you know, where the exact tip of the flame was, but, oh, I just, I, I got these, these, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up when I saw the wrapper of that cigar start to turn into charcoal. It was kind of sad. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, I was talking. I was talking to my uh, our rep Joel Reeser, who takes over the Lower Midwest, and you know that's that's kind of the story we talk about why I use kind of a bic, you know, prevent those kind of casualties from happening. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, since last time you were on the show, you know, things have been weird. You know, twenty twenty because you were on the show right around this same time last year. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um. You know, none of us obviously could have foreseen what uh, what 2020 was going to bring. Um, and you, didn't, you didn't have bat virus for bat virus. No, I didn't write that down. No? I, I think uh, I, I don't even remember what I wrote down uh, yeah. for my 2020 prediction. It was definitely not bat virus. Okay, but um, you know, we've talked to a lot of different cigar people trying to figure out what you've been doing to stay engaged with your people you know your customers you know are kind of twofold for you because the the way the world is now and you were really active on social media even before um the covid and the pandemic and the quarantine and stuff like that happened so you kind of had a leg up on a i saw a lot of companies kind of scrambling to figure out how to communicate on social media amazingly even now there's a lot of companies that just don't know how to do it and they don't do it well but you were already doing it well. Um, so, but, but you added a few things and, and kind of even upped your game a little bit. So what have you been kind of working at to stay in communication with your retailer customers and just with your end users, you know, the end users of your product during this time? Well, first and foremost, our reps have been doing a phenomenal job. You know, <clears throat> we got to take our hats off and uh, give them much appreciation because, <clears throat> you know, we took them off the road for a little bit, of course, uh, when this stuff first started happening, you know, for their health and well-being, as well as, you know, for the health and well-being of our, our retailers. So, you know, th- they really did a phenomenal job um, of, of engaging the retailers and consumers as well. Uh, what I've been trying to do, um, and I've encouraged them to do, and what we've been, done, been doing with Obeya Negra is getting on, you know, video hearse and, 
you know, engage doing a little podcast and, and uh, Instagram videos and stuff like that with our retailers um, to one, you know, show them support, um, but also bring attention to some of the products that they have on their shelves uh, and, and help drive business their way during this, 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 you know, the COVID and, and the economic impact that it's having. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, you know, I released three new cigars as well. Um, that was something I was already playing. It kind of took a little bit longer to, to do it because, you know, with COVID, there were some, uh, you know, some delays with things with shipping and, and, and uh, countries getting shut down and, and things of that nature. But it still went, it still went off really, very well. Uh, we got that out and, and, and got some more excitement back uh, into the industry, especially with some new product that I know a lot of people, uh, you know, in the industry were looking forward to. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our retailers constantly were reaching out to us. We've always tried to do everything we can to help support them in any way. And this really kind of showed, uh, that, that partnership that, you know, we're committed to with retailers. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's good too, because retailers, um, we've, we say it all the time that especially the brick and mortar retailers, you know, our regular shops, whatever communities we live in, um, you know, those regular shops that we like to visit with people, we like to sit down and smoke, um, you know, staying in contact with them is, is something that's important for us, even as cigar consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to give just a free friendly shout out to Omar from Ramsey Smoke Shop, who uh, is a big supporter of Oveja Negra brands and has uh, fortunately carried um, uh, most of the portfolio from your you guys for, for a long time. And um, big supporter and uh, uh, Calvin who handles the the sales for that that shop and uh, great group of people great family um, a, sh- a shop that's small in a little strip mall but has a really tremendous selection of, of uh, uh, small batch boutique cigars from companies like Oveja Negra and others um, so you know and uh, on that point to piggyback if your local shop doesn't carry Oveja Negra and you want to support a great brick and mortar, guy who's doing it right look up ramsey smoke shop in ramsey minnesota um he will ship out to you and uh check them out yeah absolutely um, yeah, but it's, it's, yeah. it is important for us as consumers you know even you know for garrett and i as cigar media and and you know ben even for you as you know uh, a brand owner you you're still you know your consumer hat is you know every once in a while you got to put your consumer hat back on uh, and it's fun just to walk a humidor and just pick some stuff out. Um, and it's, I, I really, I missed that a lot during the, the short time that everything was shut down. So just to be able to walk into a shop again and go into the humidor and pick some stuff out, man, it's, it's amazing how much you miss just little things like that. Yeah. And, and a huge, huge props to a lot of those retailers out there that quickly adapted to this, you know, like, I know it wasn't easy for them. Um, it, it sure as hell wasn't easy for us either. But mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them just they picked it up. Some of them who didn't have an online presence quickly adapted to it and got that online presence. Ones who weren't shipping, they picked it up really quickly and started servicing their customers. They were doing you know deliveries to people's homes if if you lived in 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 their uh, in that market um, and uh, you know pick up you know at the, at their shops. So um, it was just really awesome to see. Uh, a lot of those shops just really adapt so quickly to it, man. I'm really proud of them. Can we quick talk about what we're smoking? Because I'm having... You're having a moment? I'm having several <laughs> moments. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. So um, 
Ben, you sent us the some of the samples of the new stuff, and um, Garrett is what did you light up the tirade? Oh, my gosh, I got the tirade. So uh, tell us a little bit about the 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 blend from this new tirade. All right, so the blend uh, it's San Andreas um, wrapper on it, and you know all of them come in one size. So this from the uh, Corona Gorda, it's. It's a tirade. It has Nicaraguan filler with some Dominican as well um, in it. So um, you, it's definitely on the fuller side. You're going to get that spice from that San Andreas. That's you know that's very prevalent with it, and with some of that Nicaraguan tobacco. But you'll notice some of those other nuances with the Dominican that's in it. It's going to give it a little bit of saltiness to it. Um, I like to see. I'd like to see it a, a kind of give an analogy of it, like a kind of a little bit of a ramped up block in a sense. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely on the fuller side. You know, something that, you know, goes really well in the evening with some good bourbons and and, 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 and the like. Um, but then, you know, you're smoking the, the Rave, yeah. uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut. Um, it's it's going to be the mildest of the cigars that I have made. Um, it goes really good. You know, it's a great breakfast cigar with coffee, but it has some Pennsylvania Broadleaf in it. That's definitely going to make it pop. It's not your typical light uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut. You're going to get that creaminess, but you're going to get a little bit of that, that's, of that power to it. Um, and then when I'm even just looking at the foot, the foot smoke coming off Matt's cigar is, I think, a lot oilier than than my cigar. Um, but well, that that broadleaf, that Pennsylvania broadleaf, because I get a little bit of that um, that kind of dirty sweetness. If that yep. term even yep. makes any sense, that kind of dirty sweetness combination that you get from broadleaf uh, and that foot the the foot smoke coming off it. Because typically, Garrett's right; you don't get this billowing kind of foot smoke off of a Ecuadorian Connecticut wrap cigar, but that broadleaf really, when it combusts, it really gives out a lot of smoke. Dirty sweetness. Was that your college? That was nickname? my nickname in college. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, Joel, Joel uh, Reeser again, I just saw him this past weekend and he was asking me about it. And then he knows how I like to make my coffee and, you know, when he smoked that, he knew exactly what I was going for. You know, I like I like my coffee black. I like my coffee strong, but I like my coffee with a lot of flavor, um, and that just really kind of really blends very well with how I like to wake up my you know in my mornings. Um, the third one I did, I just I just finished it. It was the Rant Rant's a Petite Corona Pennsylvania Broadleaf. Um, I use Medio Tiempo in it, and uh, also use some Dominican as well. A special, uh, a really unique tobacco, uh, Dominican Hutch we call it um very unique very, it's a powerhouse uh of, of a of a little stick has a lot of flavor a lot of strength definitely definitely on the fuller side but um you know if, if you're one of those guys that like that little that little wake up you know the little kick in the teeth a little bit um with a with a lot of unique uh nuances you know the rant is definitely where it's at well and it's nice because um I, i've kind of been on a connecticut surge for the past few years um just picking up a, a lot of old you know old school connecticut's that i have enjoyed for a long time and enjoying some of the new ones that have been hitting the market um and i like ones that can be multi-purpose mm-hmm. that you know they they go really well with coffee in the morning and i'm the same way i i like black coffee really strong really flavorful and a cigar to go along with it and a cigar that a connecticut cigar that's too mild isn't going to stand up to a really heavy cup of black coffee. It's also not mm-hmm. going to stand up to a glass of bourbon like I'm drinking right now. Yep. But this this rave is is standing up to the bourbon just fine. 
Um, now it's a it's a it's a more aged kind of sweeter bourbon, so it's not really hot, but the rave stands up to it nicely. Yeah, it's probably pairing pretty well with that sweet, you know, uh, the sweetness mm-hmm. of that. And I looked, and um, it appears that all of these cigars are triple capped. Are mm-hmm. all of your cigars triple capped? Every cigar you get out of a Van Negra is going to have that. Um, okay. it's, it's kind of one of our trademarks that, you know, that James does down there. It, it just adds to the construction of the cigar. It keeps, you know, keeps it together, you know, keeps that cap on uh, very well. You know, you're not going to cut it. It's going to start unraveling. Um, it's just, yeah, like I said, it's one, it's just one of those little trademarks that he has on it that you'll, you'll notice with all the cigars coming out of there. Love it. And how, how have things been going? Because, you know, as a, as a brand, uh, dissident is definitely newer to the market. So, you know, when you first came out of the gate, you know, with the block and with the soapbox and then the home, uh, you know, how have things been going with the core lines, even before these new blends were introduced recently? How have things been going with the core lines? They've been doing really good. Um, you know, I, I really have to give it and show, you know, I'm humbled by, you know, and, and really appreciate uh, all the fans out there that are buying it. They really love it. I have I have people, you know, usually it takes time for, a, you know, for a new brand to really get traction. Um, and we've got it very quickly because we have people – that that's all they do. They come in and they'll buy, they like, that's their, that's their cigar that they're committed to now. And they buy it by the boxes. You know, we got a guy up in Oklahoma city and he comes in every week and buys a Toro Gordo, a box of Toro Gordo, a soapbox. you know, that's his go-to. We got guys that they swear by the, you know, in Texas, especially they swear by the block Robusto and they're all over it constantly. Um, so it's done very, very well. And the home, you know, sold out very, very quickly. Uh, yeah. People constantly, you know, asking me if they can get more and, and uh, you know, and fiending for it, um, which, you know, again, really grateful for it. Um, so, I mean, and it's been all over the place. I can't I can't pick which really look, you know, I, have to, I really have to crunch the numbers to find out which skew is doing the best. But by and large, they're all doing relatively equal to each other um, in different markets. You know, certain ones do better, but, um, you know, different palettes and stuff. But. People are still, you know, at it and, and it's selling still to this day. You know, yeah, of course, we had to slow things down a little bit with COVID, but everything stayed on track. Um, you know, no missteps at all. Uh, retailers were still very much behind it and supporting it. And if they're very much behind it and supporting it, that means it's selling, you know. Yeah. So. Well, and the um, both of the I mean, the, the home is a special cigar, really limited production and, a you know, a little bit different iteration from year to year and but the you know out of the the block and the soapbox and even even going back you know to to the prior uh version of of uh dissident before um you picked up the brand and made it your own but the soapbox in the corona is it's just it's a great cigar it is the cigar that i enjoy regularly um and it's i i it's a cigar i recommend to people all the time uh, that because it's really uh, and as much as i like the block the block is um the block is for experienced smokers and the soapbox is really approachable even for people because i i you know i know people who don't smoke a lot of cigars they're just getting into it they they smoke maybe maybe one or two cigars a month the soapbox is so approachable and 
Um, I've even had a couple friends who are kind of in that camp where they only smoke one or two cigars a month, where I give them a block Corona and the, the within the first inch of the cigar, they ask me where they can get them. So that's, that's a testament to, you know, the blend that you put together with, you know, with your palate and with the people at Oveja Negra and, and, you know, hats off because it's, it's, it's something that people really dig. And I, I'm one of those people. Thank you. Yeah. And, 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 of all the Vitolas, it was it was the Petit Corona and the Soapbox that I was probably a little bit more reserved about. Um, didn't know how it was going to do, you know, it being a uh, a Petit Corona. You know, they, they traditionally don't, you know, they have a place in the market, but they never really perform, you know, exceptionally yeah. uh, in the market. But uh, Petit Corona, it, it's it's done phenomenally, you know, and it, it exceeded my expectations. So I had to go back, you know, next next production and have to reevaluate some numbers, um, uh, which is a good thing. You know, uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really blessed by it. I mean, I always, I swore by it. I knew it was a great blend in that, in that size. And I think it's the bell of the ball really in that blend. Um, but, and I'm glad other people are seeing that and, and, uh, appreciate it as much as I do. Yeah. So what? um, if any, if you even know these numbers off the top of your head, I'm I'm just kind of curious because small brands, all like yourself, all the way up to these massive brands that have huge factories that are you know the size of you know nuclear plants. But what are what are your production numbers look like? And not just not Oveja Negra as a whole, but just for Dissident. What you know? What, how many cigars with the Dissident brand name um, were released, say, in the last year? In the last year, man, I've done about I've done uh, about two two big productions, and each one of them had about um, or each skew was about four hundred uh, cigar four hundred boxes for each skew in them. And you know, when we still have you know, of course, I you know some of them I I wanted to over project because of you know what was going on with this year and anticipating trade shows and stuff like that. Um, but we are, you know, currently, and you know, we are sold out of the the soapbox petit coronas. Uh, yeah. They are they are gone, um, and you know, they'll be coming up next, you know, here uh, next few months. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I'm looking at the, you know, so of course the robustos and and the toro gordos. I mean, I kind of did a little bit more with those, honestly, um, because I know those, you know, those are going to be constant. Um, yeah. So we, you know, even this past this past summer, we took it, it took a big hit. And our inventory to those, which is good, you know, considering the COVID and uh, the economic issue. Um, so, you know, we have to put, you know, looking at those numbers closely and, and, and up in the production probably for that in the coming year as well. Um, and even with Rant Raven Tirade, um, you know, th- those I'll still have to look a little bit more, but I'm probably going to have to increase uh, the, the production with that next year if possible. Right now, you know, they're small batch because um, of everything going on and the availability of tobacco and everything like that. But my intent is to make those a little bit more regularly released um, and try to increase those production numbers when I can to make yeah. them more readily available. Yeah. And these uh, these are in retail shops? Yes, sir. They are in retail okay. shops all over the United States right now. Awesome. And for, uh, uh, we'll say this at the end of the show as well, but uh, for now, since it's on my mind, if uh, if people want to find out which retail shops maybe in their area uh, would carry your cigars, uh, can they find that out on the website or hit you up on Facebook? 
Yeah, or either or. Um, either or, you, know, you can hit me up. But uh, the best place to go is to HoveaNegroCigars.com. Check out our retail map there. Um, and if you're a retailer locally uh, doesn't carry and they're interested, tell them just to drop us a line on the website and we'll get back to them. You know, we'll have a, you know, we'll either one of us personally as a brand owners or our reps will uh, definitely reach out to them and, and get that, you know, get that covered for them. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, it's, it's nice. The fact that, um, you know, James and Angela they're they live there. They're always, you know, they're always pretty much, I mean, they, they move around a little bit, but for the most part, they, they, they're right there in Esteli or, or, or nearby um, within a short drive. So, I know a lot of people from some other companies, um, even if they have their own factories or if they, uh, you know, if they sub out their cigars from another factory, they haven't been able to get down there to check on production, to make sure quality's up to standards, to make sure. And even little things like we've been learning that it could be something simple like band placement and sizing of boxes and stuff like this. If you can't be there to check on that stuff, you know, it's uh, it could be a costly mistake. So it's cool that you know, with the, the Oveja Negra family, you guys, you know, that James and Angel are there, and, yeah. and they can check on that. Have you have you been able to get down there? And uh, if not, how soon do you think you might be able to get back down there again? I haven't been down there yet. Of course, you know, if, if it wasn't for COVID, COVID, I probably would have been down there twice already. You know, yeah. um, but I mean, I'm not sure yet. I mean, things are still kind of up in the air. You know, of course, cases are spiking again. So, you know, um, we'll see what, what the travel restrictions are going to be with that. If, if they get lifted anymore or if they get, uh, more, more strenuous, um, we'll see. But, you know, I am thankful that to have James and Angela down there, you know, even with Ran Raven tirade and we're trying to get this out, you know, like I said, anticipated, you know, there, we knew there was going to be some, you know, some setbacks, but, you know, I was really grateful for them, especially like you said, going over boxes and bands, you know, James, would be in communication with me like, Hey, does this look good? Do we need to do this? What's up? You know, what do you think about that? Yeah. And, you know, we were able to, you know, resolve any issues uh, before they even occurred with that uh, via just, you know, telecommunications, thank God, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, and just having, you know, that, that close knit uh, relationship that we've had for many years. So. so one of our regular uh, viewers, John, wants to know, he says he's looking forward to trying. What would you suggest for a medium to full smoker? If you like Maduro, then I would recommend the block. Um, would definitely be right there. If, if, if you want to try one of the new ones, the tirade would be in that, that would be in that category. Um, <clears throat> those would be the two in, in the distant line that I would strongly recommend. But the, yeah. the soapbox itself and the Robusto, I mean, that's a solid medium bodied uh, cigar. Um, if you're into that with some little bit more complexities and flavor, you know, that could be definitely right up your alley. Yeah. Well, and John, this, you know, to tell you, I'm smoking the tirade for the first time right now. It does start out medium and um, you just get a slight spice on it. So that San Andreas doesn't hit you like some of the other San Andreas um, wrappers out there. Um, at this point, it's not overly spicy at all. Um, you get a lot of great flavors from that filler and binder in here, and it is just fantastic. So, thank you. I, if you're going medium to full, this is uh, the the tirade is a great cigar. Well, and here's Ben. This is a question I have because um, I will say this: when you when I, when I first got this package with these new samples in it, and 
I saw this rave. I saw Ecuador and Connecticut, and I saw Box Press. And my eyebrow went up a little bit because, so truth bomb here, I tend to have issues with when it's a Connecticut shade wrap cigar that's a box press. I, t- I tend to like them better in, in rounds, Parejo Vitolas. And I, I, it's probably completely irrational on my part. It's probably just an old school thing that goes back 20 years and it's just what I prefer. But, um, but this, it, it works really well. And I think part of it might be, you know, the, with the, the, the shaping of the box press and, and how delicate and, and uh, fragile Ecuadorian Connecticut can be. You can have maybe sometimes issues with, uh, with tearing or burning or cracking, which, by the way, I'm not having any of those issues right now. Um, and the flavors off of this rave are, are really great. What, what I would call uh, uh, amped up, adjusted, classic Connecticut flavors. Uh, and I think it works really well together. But what did you try, um, you know, a round cigar with the rave blends and just found that it, it worked better for what reason for different reasons? Uh, and you said, we're going to go with the box press instead. Yeah, I wanted to go with the box press, too, because it's a soft box press. You know, it's not a yeah. hard box press with that. And I think that's kind of instrumental with that. You know, like if you're going to try to do a hard box press on a Connecticut, you're probably going to have some tearing and some, you know, and, and, and some bust, you know, uh, on it. Um, but with, with that soft box press, you know, it, when you do a soft box press and when, when you, when you light it up, that heat's going to expand it, you know, very slowly, you know? Um, and I think that gives a little bit more of that, that airflow into it, you know, and, and more flavors to be able to, uh, for, for a person to capture more flavors and they're on their palate with it, you know? Um, and you know, a lot of people are very finicky with Connecticut's as I am, you know, I, I was a very, uh, very picky Connecticut uh, smoker, but I think this way it kind of shows more of that flavor profile of what a Connecticut could really be about. Yeah. I, I think it works well. Um, and to, uh, you know, be able to put, like I said, to be able to put a, a blend that's, that's milder in a soft box press that, <sighs> You know, I'm I'm getting what I expect to get out of an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrap cigar, but I'm also getting the the little bit of nuance that it's nice to have. It's nice to have the like I said that that sort of earthy sweetness from the Pennsylvania broadleaf, uh, and I, I dig it. I really do. I think it's a I think it's a very solid blend. Awesome, thank you. And the other thing that I see with uh, a lot of box presses too is if it's not done right it will be so soft that the the draw is wide open and i yeah. can just tell yep. from this cigar that is definitely not the case yeah the draw the draws right on and you can see from the head of the cigar right. where i cut it you know just you know there's there's even an, even a few seconds after a draw there's still a little bit of smoke flowing through those channels in there and that's just, it's good construction. So the, you know, it's again, a testament to the people at Oveja Negra that, that know how to build a cigar that's going to smoke properly and not be frustrating for the smoker. Um, so, so Ben, one of the things that, you know, we're excited about also is, you know, going beyond cigars. Today is a special day because today is the, the 245th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Yes, and sir. 
you being a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, um, first and foremost, thank you for your service. Yes. Thank you, guys. And uh, my, my oldest brother also served in the United States Marine Corps. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's one of those, it's the branch of the military that has, you know, the, it has high esteem in my heart. Uh, I, I love all of them, but it has high esteem in my heart because I have a lot of family and friends who, who served. And, you know, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about how your service began in the United States Marine Corps and kind of what it, what it means to you to, to be a part of that elite group. Um, well, I'm, you know, I come from a military background, uh, for one, you know, I've, I've had family from every branch, uh, that served in the military, some, some branch one or the other. Uh, my great grandfather was in, <clears throat> was in the army. My grandfather was in, uh, the Air Force. Um, my mom was in the Air Force. My dad was in the Air Force. Uh, my uncle was in the Marine Corps. Um, and my, my older brother as well, too, was in the Marine Corps. Um, and uh, the Marine Corps has always kind of just stood out to me because uh, I've always been a history buff and I've always loved history and how the Marine Corps just really <clears throat> clings on to that history. They, they, they keep it alive uh, through their traditions to this day um, from when it was first founded. You know, you can you can look back and and, and see it uh, <clears throat> evident in, 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 its day, in the daily life in the Marine Corps. But, you know, I think the one story that kind of uh, made me really, you know, fully commit to the Corps um, was when I was in high school, going to one of the recruiting meetings. And, you know, it's kind of on the fence, you know, like, was, was my, you know, leaning towards the Marine Corps, but still kind of like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? <clears throat> and there was a story from this kid. He was from uh, Kosovo. Um, and he told the story when he was, when and he was joining the Marine Corps, he was about to ship off and, and, and go off to boot camp. And they asked him why he joined. And he said, you know, when he was in Kosovo, um, he was hungry and didn't have no food. He was sick, didn't have any medicine and the Marine Corps. Yes, there were war, you know, it's a war machine, but at the same time, they, they do a lot of humanitarian aid. And it was the Marines that brought him the food. It was the Marines that brought him the medicine, you know, and he wanted to kind of join that kind of legacy and do the same thing for other people in the world. And that was kind of the, the moment that I was like, I'm doing this, you know, not only, yeah, you know, the war fighters and they, and they, they go out and, and their whole mission is to win battles. But at the same time, they're, uh, <clears throat> they're, <clears throat> they're an, they are a, an organization of also goodwill for the United States, you know? Um, and, you know, I've, I've known numerous friends that have, well, that we're in the Marine Corps, um, even in my time, you know, we did humanitarian missions and helped out uh, people of many different countries. They're in different, many different crises uh, besides, you know, war-torn areas, sometimes natural disasters and things like that. Um, but, you know, that was, you know, that was, uh, that was the reason why I did it. Um, and it was one of the most honorable things I ever, I ever did in my life was uh, join the Corps. When we sincerely thank you for your service. Yeah. And when, yeah. when did you... Uh, so when did you join, where did you do basic and what was your specialty? Um, I joined in 2004, two weeks after I turned 18, two weeks after I graduated high school, um, I went off to Paris Island, South Carolina, stepped on those yellow footprints. Um, and then I graduated, uh, in, uh, September, uh, from boot camp and went off to MCT at, uh, Camp Geiger, North Carolina. But I, my MOS was 0811, uh, it was our til- field artillery. Uh, cannon cocker, we you know pulled stream go boom. Um, so after <laughs> after 
<clears throat> Camp Geiger, I got uh, sent up to uh, Oklahoma, to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, for a few months. Um, graduated in uh, the top 10% of my class at uh, Fort Sill and uh, picked the duty station uh, in Hawaii. And uh, was stationed out in Hawaii, but uh, wasn't really on Hawaii too much. You know, we got deployed a lot over to uh, um, to Asia. You know, did some time in uh, Japan, Okinawa, uh, Thailand, and then uh, also spent time in uh, in Iraq. Did a did a deployment to Iraq as well too in uh, 2007, and then I got out in 2008. Okay, and did you um, did you see any uh, any action while you were deployed? Uh, nothing crazy. Um, okay. You know, we didn't. Most of it, when, when I was there, we were part of the surge, so we did a lot of police work over there. Uh, you know, okay. the the goodwill rebuilding uh, the country. So we did a lot of stuff with uh, you know, convoy security. Um, you know, we yeah, we ran into a lot of IEDs and disarming IEDs, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, training uh, the uh, Iraqi military and working with them um, on getting them uh, up to par. Um, uh, a lot of those, you know, a lot of those things. There's a lot of hectic moments, uh, you know, a lot of dangerous situations we were in, of course. Um, but, you know, the guys I was surrounded with were some of the best people I ever served with in my life. You know, we came home, you know, our battalion, we lost some guys. We did. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with my platoon, um, I, was, I was thankful enough to have guys that knew what we were doing and we were always very cautious and had each other's back 100% of the time. Um, so we, you know, we didn't, we were lucky enough to not to have to, uh, endure any of those kind of, uh, hardships. Yeah. Well, and I, I asked you to send a picture. Um, and so I'm going to put that up on screen right here. So this is, I assume this is your graduation picture. Yep. That's 18 year old me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I was going to grab my brother's picture too, but, um, I, I didn't get it in time, but, uh, there's, um, there is just something about, the uh, the the picture really of any military personnel at that graduation, you know, because, you know, I, although I didn't serve, I, I got to hear the stories from my brother firsthand. And, you know, basic is no joke. Basic, basic is no joke at all. And and the sent that sense of uh, of exhaustion and, and accomplishment simultaneously, you know, at the end of that run is, has got to really feel pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, Marine Corps basic is <clears throat> it's the longest of all of the basic training. Yeah. Uh, it's three months long. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I mean, it's after like about, usually after the first week, that's when you get assigned <clears throat> your, <clears throat> your, your drill instructors, you know, uh, your kill hat, your, your drill hat, and uh, your senior drill instructor, Big Daddy. You know, and these are the guys that are going to make you into United States Marine. Um, and you go through those phases. And there, there's pride in each one of those phases you get to. But, you know, it's it's an emotional experience at the end of that. Once you've complete the crucible, that three days, you know, that final exam, as it, as a, as it were, of, you know, no sleep, very, very little food. And, you know, you're you're humping, you know, 80 pounds of gear all over the damn island. You know, you, you didn't think you could you'd, you'd walk so much on this small little island and you're going to. And at the end of it, they give you that eagle globe and anchor and they shake your hand. And they say, you know, welcome, Marine, you know. But, you know, I think one of the one of the most I think it was one of the most interesting stories that I had in, in boot camp is, you know, you know, it's hell. You know, um, you miss your family. You're being screamed at all the time. You know, you get you know, it's, it's miserable. But we had, you know, your, your kill hat. He's a disciplinarian. His whole job is to make your life hell. That is what he is there for. 
He has yeah. no other job but to just make him miserable. Um, and he's that mean big brother, you know, that's always picking on you. Um, and every night when you go and you hit the rack, <clears throat> you have to get online and you count off. And at the end of the count off, your whoever your um, your guide is for that platoon will echo off the num- the number and it'll be like, so, you know, good evening, sir. Uh, count of, count on deck is eighty four marine uh, eighty four recruits. You know, because you're not called a marine until you earn that 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 eagle woman anchor. So eighty six recruits or whatever the number may be. But it was the last night we were on the island and our kill hat had duty that night. He was the one that's going to watch us before we go off. And, you know, he, we get online and we count off and our guide says 84 recruits. And he said, bullshit. He's getting mad. He's throwing stuff. He's like, count again, count again. And we're do- we did this like three times. We're like, what the hell are we doing wrong? Everybody's here. He's yeah. like, I don't see any recruits. I see Marines. Do it again. <laughs> you know, and I was like, holy crap. You know, like this guy sees us as one of him now. You know, this guy yeah. that made our life so miserable um, is giving us that respect. And he let us do whatever the hell we wanted for the rest of the night. Hung out with us you know, bullshitted with us. And we saw like, we saw him as a human being, you know, for once. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, And one of the things that, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of dig into some of the cool and interesting facts about the Marine Corps. Uh, And it's, it's really amazing how many sort of famous notable people in the world have been, you know, uh, have, have been, United States Marines and, you know, some of the cool or maybe not so cool Marine movies, you know, that have been around over the years and, um, and even some of the cool facts about, uh, about the Marine Corps. So, um, I had no idea that, and I've got a long list of them here, but I had no idea that the, uh, the, the former sidekick, uh, co-host of the Tonight Show, Ed McMahon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was a former U.S. Marine. Yep. That, that, that I mean, some of them I already knew, but that one was kind of amazing to me. Um, who are some that you can that you just know off the top of your head, like famous folks that uh, were United States Marines? Drew Carey. Uh, yeah. He was in the Marine Corps. Um, uh, Shaggy, the hip hop artist. Yeah. Uh, he was in the Marine Corps as well. Um, uh, who else? Uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, B. Arthur was in the Marine yeah. Corps. Uh, she yeah. was a female Marine. One of the um, girls, yeah. Yeah, she was in the Marine Corps as well, too. Um, and then uh, uh, Rob Rickle. Yeah. Yes. He was, a, he, was, he was a Marine aviator. That dude is um, hilarious. He is so yes, funny. he is. Yeah. You need to look up an old Daily Show one where he goes to Berkeley when they're protesting in a Marine Corps uh, recruiting station in Berkeley, California. You'll oh, laugh your ass off. You gotta watch it. That. Yes, put that, put that on there. Um, he he goes undercover as a hippie, and <laughs> oh, I love it. I gotta watch that. So, um, just some of the. I mean, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Yep. Uh, Ted Ted Williams, the mm-hmm. the old Boston Red Sox slugger. Harvey Keitel. Uh, Roberto Clemente. Roberto Clemente. Yeah. Um, and obviously the guy who was, you know, made famous in the, in the, in, in the movie, you know, Arlie Ermey, Gunny. Yep. I had, you I know. met him and I had him choke me out once uh, for oh. a picture and I can't find the picture anymore. I don't know where that picture went, but I had him, oh. uh, he was a guest speaker at the Marine Corps ball in Okinawa one time and the most humblest guy in the world. He stayed there until everybody got their fill 
and I went up and I was like, I know I'm going to ask you a weird question, Gunny. Can you, can we get a picture of you choking me out? And he kind of <laughs> looks at me like, hell yeah. <laughs> and he oh, I love that. I love it. When I love his story of how he even, he was, uh, he was just hired to be the, the, con- the consultant. The consultant. Yeah. Yeah. And he did some footage for, uh, for, uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Yep. Yep. Just to, you know, kind of see how they should have the actor, you know, do the, do the role. And, and Kubrick was like, why don't we just have this guy do it? Yep. And a lot of, a lot of the the opening scene where, you know, he's welcoming them, uh, the recruits, that was all ad lib. That was just him going off of his days as a drill instructor, you know, favorite, favorite line for me, looks like the best part of you went down the crack of your mama's ass and was left as a brown stain on the mattress. That is awesome. Well, you, you got to have a kind of a sense of humor as a drill instructor because those guys go through hell too. Oh, you know, yeah. They have to go through a whole new boot camp again when they do it, and they're doing it for three years. You know, mm-hmm. They're constantly doing it. So you, you have to be a little bit of a comedian as, as well you know, in, in that role. You know? Well, and when that movie... That movie came out in 87, and that is, you know, coincidentally, that is the year that my brother joined the Corps. Well, that's the year that my brother went to basic. And um, we, had to, we had to tell my mom, under no circumstances are you allowed to watch this movie. You are, you are not allowed to watch this movie. And I watched it quite a few times few times and and my brother graduated and got home from uh you know from basic and you know i got to see him for the first time in in many months and i said how how realistic is that movie and he said uh kind of he said it maybe it was that way back you know in 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 the 60s in the vietnam era but you know it's really not as you know it, it there's a lot of hollywood in there but he said there's some stuff about it that's really pretty real so you know it's yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely elements in there that are are still relevant to this day. You know, um, yeah, especially with the drill instructors and how they behave. You know, um, I mean, I don't mean I went down to you know my brother retired from the Marine Corps this past July. You know, twenty years of service. Um, so I went to his retirement ceremony. It was cool to go down memory lane. But you start seeing some of those differences that are you know that are that are taking place. Some of those changes that have have occurred without a doubt. Um, that's just the nature of it. Um, you know, like there's that, there's that old joke that we have in the Marine Corps. Like, you know, you see that guy, you know, you're complaining because, you know, you have to hump certain amount of miles with your boots and you gotta, you know, you gotta sleep under, you know, in this, in your sleeping bags. And the other guy is like, you had sleeping bags, you know, and then the other other guy is like, you had boots, you know, and the other guy is like, you had feet, you know, um, Yeah, up uphill both ways, forty miles snow. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, How about uh, this is my rifle? Is this that... is my yep. Uh, the rifleman's creed. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It's my life. I must master it. I must master my life. Yeah, you have to memorize that boot camp. Yeah. The whole thing. You know. Um, you say it every night before you go to bed. Oh, you do. Okay. Yep. yep. I love it. The, so, out of all the notable, you know quote-unquote famous people who are Marines. The one that completely floored me was Robert Keeshan 
otherwise known as Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> yep. yep. Captain Kangaroo was a motherfucking Marine. I mean, that mm, is wow. just crazy to me. But it just goes to show you, Marines come in all shapes and sizes. Montel Williams, he was known because yeah. he was a naval officer, but before he was a naval officer, he was he was enlisted Marine. Yeah. As well, too. Um, um, so, and I was talking about, we obviously full metal jacket is, is, is kind of the, the, the cornerstone of, of Marine Corps movies, but, uh, Heartbreak Ridge, Clint Heartbreak Eastwood, Ridge. great movie. Um, a few good men, obviously, which, you know, it's, um, it's, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. I mean, based on a true story, it was based on a true story too. It was. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then Jarhead. Jarhead. Uh, Jarhead's a really good, yeah, that's. That was a really good one. That's kind of a little bit closer to more modern day Marine Corps. Um, I yeah. think if you watch that, you'll get kind of a feel. Um, another good, you know, it was a series that was on there. It was uh, Generation Kill. That was on HBO um, in the invasion of Iraq. Yeah. Another really well done movie or and series. Then, um, the kind of the follow up miniseries after they did Band of Brothers, they did The Pacific, which was uh, about the Marines who um, basically. Um, fought through pure hell to keep the, you know, the shipping lanes open through Asia. Yep. And uh, what's, what's interesting about that, you know, Band of Brothers came from the book, um, yeah. you know, the one solo book, and they did a phenomenal job with that, with, which I think what they expanded on with uh, uh, the Pacific is they actually took a number of books mm-hmm. um, and, and cross-referenced them. And you told, you told these stories of all these different guys from the point of view of these books and, and the material from it. Um, uh, and how they depicted a lot of those guys, you know, Chesty Puller to my favorite, you know, Marine was uh, girl, you know, coming up in the Marine Corps was Manila John Bassalone. Um, you know, Gunnery Sergeant Bassalone, he was uh, awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for his actions on uh, Bougainville, um, went back to the United States. And, you know, once you get the Congressional Medal of Honor, you never have to go see combat again. You know, that's one of the stipulations of it. Um, but he wanted to go back. He trained his Marines. He's like, I'm going back with them. And he, you know, unfortunately, uh, he perished on, on Iwo Jima. Um, but, you know, that guy, his story was just a tremendous story, what he did to, to um, receive the Medal of Honor. I don't like to call them winners of the Medal of Honor because it's not really a competition. Yep. Right. You know, yeah. um, they're recipients for the, you know, they're, they're being recognized for, the, for their bravery. Yeah. Um, what about Major Payne? <laughs> <laughs> I purposely left that movie off of my list. God. Major Major Dad? <laughs> Major Dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about that show. Yeah, I did too. Major Dad. Um, so, no, wait. Oh, so there's a comment here. Bob Ross, the painter guy on PBS, was Air Force. That's right. I had no idea that he yeah. was a veteran. That's that's awesome. Happy little trees. Yeah. I love that. Um, so it, these are some things that I thought were interesting facts about the, the Marine Corps. And what, the first one that I have written down after I, so I've just read it today on a website and it makes sense now that I think back to this movie, a few good men, but it says while in uniform, Marines are forbidden from putting their hands in their pockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So that's confirmed that that is a big no, no. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. okay. One of the scenes hmm. from A Few Good Men, when they're interviewing, uh, you know, Tom Cruise's character, they're they're in one of the interview rooms talking to, um, you know, the the private and the lance corporal that are going on trial. Um, 
at the end of the scene when he goes to exit and Tom Cruise's character is an officer. He goes to exit and this Marine stands up and he puts his hand really forcefully, like aggressively shoves his hands into his pockets. And I always just thought it was just sort of a, you know, hey, screw you. But now reading this and and here getting it confirmed from you that it was like the the highest level of insult to to not only not salute the guy when he exits a room but to put your hands in your pockets that was that that gives that whole scene a new meaning for me huh. well one thing too is that there's a misconception and you'll be able to point this out in movies uh in the naval tradition the united states navy and united states marine corps we do not salute without a cover on our head and you do not wear a cover unless and when you're indoors uh, unless you're under arms, you know, okay. that's the only time you render a salute in the Naval tradition. Um, yep. The army and the air force, they'll salute indoors, uh, but not in the Naval, uh, not in the Naval side of things. Okay. There, there's a little bit of, uh, there's similarities definitely, of course, um, especially with the Marine Corps and the army, there are, there are some crossovers and you know, especially how we do our rake structure. Um, uh, very similar, but there's certain traditions that are, very different. Um, and it's interesting. Sometimes you'll see that when you'll see Navy, uh, when you'll see the Naval side of, uh, our, our services with, uh, the army side, um, you'll, you'll definitely see those, especially when they're in formations and how, how they, uh, how they form up and things of that nature. Um, yeah. but, uh, I mean, you know, the, the Navy and the Marine Corps have some long, long traditions. Uh, the army does too. Um, but I think with the army, it's more unit specific, uh, more so uh, than with with the Marine Corps, it's it's core whole. You know, like right. they, they carry it all through uh, throughout the whole Marine Corps. Yeah. Well, another thing that I, I didn't put on my list, but I remember reading on a website today, and actually I saw this on two or three websites that um, specifically, uh, you know, somebody like like yourself who is, uh, you know, a, a Marine who's deployed, who is you know, in a, I'm sorry, I don't know the, per, the terminology, but is in a combat area and is fully deployed with, with all his gear that, that when he's fully outfitted is, is wearing and carrying about $14,000 worth of gear. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Hey, you're, uh, you're probably lugging around about 80, 80 pounds worth of stuff on you. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, even you know when you calculate how much it costs to train uh is somebody in the military it costs about almost a million dollars you know wow. um and 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 uh yeah tax dollars to train one individual person you know um so they ain't we ain't cheap <laughs> yeah how many mre mres have you consumed oh god i don't even know like, there came a point where like what I would do when I was go out to the field is I would go over to the grocery store and just get a whole bunch of like, you know, <laughs> different kind of food to pack in there because I just got tired of eating MREs all the damn time. You know, <laughs> I remember in college, um, I went to college at an older age and my roommate was, you know, and at the time, I mean, older age was like mid twenties instead of early twenties. But my roommate was, uh, uh, army and he had just returned from desert storm where he was he was an army cook in the mess hall in one of the bases in saudi arabia so he had you know he, he had a lot of you know gear and memorabilia on the wall but he also had a closet full of crates of mres 
And so, you know, being poor college students, you know, there, I, I got to eat MREs, you know, being somebody who never served, I got to, I got to eat MREs that, had a couple. that went all, all the way from the States to Saudi Arabia and then back to the States, you know, in this little apartment in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin and got to, got to eat. Now, you didn't eat that all in one sitting, did you? Like, cause those MREs are designed to last you a whole day. That's a whole day's worth of calories in that one MRE bag. No, no. That's, for, breakfast, that's breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For for me, it was uh, you know. It, oh, I'm a fatty. It, I guess usually usually it was consumed uh, after a night at the bar, um, <laughs> after m- many beers, many pictures of beers, um, and so the 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 motto of the United States Marine Corps: "Semper Fidelis," always faithful. Um, it's I mean it's it's huge, and it it was. Adopted in in 1883, so the Marine Corps was founded in 1775. Yep, and a bar, uh, mind a, a bar, yeah, and uh, and then in 1883, the the motto was adopted. Uh, and so, a little background too: my brother, when he served, uh, he he trained in San Diego. That was where he had he, he had basic, and then he was deployed to, uh, or sorry, he was he was stationed in. Uh, um, actually, he was stationed in Paris Island for a while um, because he was a part of the president's own Marine Corps band. And um, uh, so, you know, John Philip Sousa wrote all those great marches back in the day. And mm-hmm. um, so that was my brother's gig when he was uh, when he was the United States Marine was he he played in the United States Marine Corps band and he he handled the logistics for all the traveling and all the. Uh, travel arrangements and and all that stuff for the group. Uh, so that was his. Um, That's a pretty good gig, man. I'm kind of yeah. jealous. <laughs> he, he he did he did enjoy his time when he when he served. He was uh, I'm trying to think 87 through 95. I want to say was when he discharged. I I don't remember exactly. Some mid 90s. Um, so in this and this I love this story. Then you were because you were talking about. You know, the, the Marines are soldiers first, but they're also humanitarians. And uh, in 1947, Major Bill Hendricks from the U.S. Marine Corps Reserves was inspired by his wife to gather a group of reservists together to collect toys during Christmas to distribute to families in need in the Los Angeles area. And that was the birth of Toys for Tots that is toys still still to this day collects millions of dollars and, and, and hundreds of thousands of toys for uh, families who can't afford to put, you know, toys under the Christmas tree in, in, during the holiday season. So, I yeah, mean, my, my brother, when he, he did, uh, my brother was active duty, but he got stationed uh, to be the active, one of the active duty Marines at a reserve station in St. Louis. And he was up there for three years and he was up there. He was, he was the one in charge of coordinating toys for tots for the city of St. Louis. Um, so I mean, it's, it's the season coming around. So don't forget that guys, like yeah. donate the toys for tots. Help them out. Um, and then this, this last one, uh, I always wondered about the term leatherneck. Um, and so Ben, tell us where the, you know, people call Marines sometimes it's one of the colloquialisms from, for United States Marine. Where does that term come from? It comes from our collar. Yeah. On our uniform. So back in the day, we they used to wear a leather uh, strap around their neck to 
to protect from saber blows and other kind of, you know, it was, it was early, it was early uh, armor, you know, that they would, we, we would wear, you know, um, but we still replicate that in our uniform to this day with our dress blues. You can see the high collar that we wear. Um, um, but we also have another nickname, Devil Dog, as well. Um, that was given to us by the Germans during World War uh, World War One at the Battle of Bela Wood. Fought so fiercely there. Uh, they referred to us as Twiffelhunden, uh, translates to Devil Dog. And we also got the nickname Jarhead as well, too, because of how our heads would look with our high-collared uniforms and our uh, high and tight uh, haircuts. So you know, yeah. a lot of different nicknames for, for Marines out there. Um, but all steeped in the cool tradition. So what was your... Uh... Um, what was your hair like before you got to basic? Did you have, you know, big flowing locks and got it all shaved down or, or what was that like? No, I had probably about what I have now. You know, I always kept it. I always kept my hair pretty short, um, uh, throughout my life, you know, and it kept it short, you know, even when I went down there. So they didn't have too much to take off of my head when they took the, the, the buzzer to my, to my scalp, um, yeah. you know. And I always try to, you know, I don't know, even to this day, I always try to keep my sides kind of, kind of low. I mean, you know, there's little things that I still carry on to this day. Like one thing, it's a, it's a weird one, you know, Marine Corps, they always teach you if you have uh, belt loops in your pants, you got to put a belt in it. And to this day, I do that. Like if I don't have a belt, you know, belt in my belt loops, I feel kind of weird about it. You know? Yeah. I remember my brother, uh, before he flew out to, uh, to basic training, my mom suggested that he just go ahead and, and, uh, you know, get a really tight buzz cut. And fortunately the recruiter that, um, that worked with my brother during the recruitment process said, don't do that. You, because if you show up, if you show up at basic training already with a, a haircut like that, you're going to get razzed even harder. They're going to say, what, you think you're already a Marine and, and you know, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to give them any, am, any more ammo. <laughs> <laughs> What was the nickname for a Marine Sniper? I heard this old guy. You talking about Carlos Tathcock, White Feather? No, I want to say it was like it was like Dog or um, Hog, Hog, and it stood for something. I heard of that one. I mean, I, certain certain uh, you know snipers would have different nicknames, um, especially you know really prestigious ones. You know that that achieved, you know, some great feat, you know, like Carlos Hathcock, he had the, he had the longest confirmed care for the longest time, for the longest time. And he used to wear a little white feather in his hat in Vietnam, you know, they call him white feather. Um, I don't know. I've never heard that one. I've learned something new. Yeah. We'll have to look that one up. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, I, I appreciate you going through those kind of interesting facts about the, the Marine Corps. It's, I, I always love learning new stuff about that. And I'm also a student of history and, and love to, uh, you know, kind of know where, you know, these great traditions come from, uh, because here's, here's a weird, here's another weird one for you. Yeah. So the Nazi Germany, you know, the Luftwaffe, one of their most, uh, famous maneuvers that they would use would, was dive bombing. Right. That's what made them very effective was the impl- implementation of dive bombing. They adopted that from the United States Marine Corps in the Banana Wars in the early 1900s. Really? Yeah. Um, I found it. Wow. Oh, what is it? So HOG stands for Hunters of Gunmen. And um, the scout snipers were known as pigs. 
but the actual um, snipers were hogs, hunters of gunmen. Nice. I like that. <laughs> it's good, you know, good little acronym. So another acronym is POGUE, and that we use in the Marine Corps. P-O-G, personnel other than grunt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's... Uh... Let's move into this week's smokabulary word. Uh, guys, as always, smokabulary is brought to us by A.J. Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera A.J. Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. Fernandez himself in order to ensure superior quality. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of premium cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer. Whether it's New World, Dios de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. And in the tradition of the last few weeks, we're keeping this week's vocabulary word simple. So this week's vocabulary word is cherry. Mm, I like cherries. So now when we're talking about, so, so Ben, I don't know if we had this on the show last time you were on, but it's vocabulary word is a, it's either a word that's completely unique to the premium cigar culture, or it's a word that's repurposed uh, in the premium cigar culture. So what comes to my, if I'm talking about smoking a cigar and I say the word cherry, what does that mean to you? Probably talk about the ash, you know, the, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's the, the ember. It's the, the lid, ember. It's the end of the cigar. So, so when when somebody is talking about smoking a premium cigar and they're you know they're they're talking about the cherry, that's what they're talking about. You want to keep that, you know, you want to keep it glowing, but you don't want it to be you know white hot. And if your cherry is this long, just stop. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Just stop. Yeah, nobody needs to see that. No. <laughs> Put it down for a little bit. Let it catch up. When I know, you know, there's a, and hey, smoke your cigar how you want to smoke it. Um, but I will tell you, if you're a guy that. But you if know, you do it wrong, I will tell you. If you do it wrong, I will. I will let you know. Um, if you're a person who smokes a cigar and you've got a, you know, just a huge chair and you're just throwing down on that cigar, you are not giving that cigar a chance to perform like it was meant to. Right. Yeah, if you're if you're puffing away at it so so vigorously that the you know the lit end is you know glowing you know an inch long, you've got to slow down. Yeah. Go have a drink. You know, go to the bathroom. Yeah. Come back and purge. Slow down. <laughs> and then yeah, leave. yeah, you're not going to chug a log of oil in thirty, right? Like right. you're going to sip right. on that, right? So same concept. Sip yeah. on it. Yeah, so that uh, that's another simple one for this week. This week's uh, vocabulary word brought to you by AJ Fernandez. And now it is time for Numero de los Muertos. Oh, where's my music? There it is. Oh, it's not playing right because I screwed up the thing. <laughs> all right, oh, well, it. we'll get it on the outro. I feel so sad right now. It's all right, man. Uh, Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Oveja Negra Brands. They bring you premium smoking experiences forged from tobacco, time, and talent. Comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissident, and Emilio. 
Oveja Negra Brands provides smokers uncompromising blends renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. I have to play it. I have to. (laughs) (laughs) I felt bad about missing my cue. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. That's all right. So this, uh, this week is fun. Um, since 2007 in North America, this has killed 34 people. Since 2007 mm-hmm. in North America, mm-hmm. 34, 34 people have died from this. Mm-hmm. E. coli. Ooh, no. It's a good guess. All I'm right. going uh, to get us off. Uh, it is not an illness. All right. As always, viewers and listeners are sorry, listeners after the fact on the podcast. Sorry. This is why you guys listening on the podcast. We love you for listening on the podcast, but you should really watch the show live. Uh, Live viewers, put your guesses in the comments. Um, Not an illness. Mm -mm. Is it okay? Is it 34 people total since Mm -hmm. 2007? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's that's a small number. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's. All right, 13 years, 34 people. That is a really small number. That could be anything really super random. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, turkey deep frying incidences. Wow. That is such a great guess. That is a fantastic guess. I might I might do that one later. That's not it. That's not it. The, the guesses give us fuel for, they give Garrett ideas for next time. Yeah. Um. Come on, Chad. Chad, yeah, yeah. Chad is one of our regular viewers, and he always has good guesses. <clears throat> um, is it? Um, is it related to uh, like workplace accidents? No, no. Uh, Driving and anything with automobiles. Nothing with automobiles. Automobiles. Is it anything related to, because not only is today the birthday of the United States Marine Corps, tomorrow is Veterans Day. Um, is it anything to do with military service? Mm, that's a good, no. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like, how, I like how Gary, like, he's like, oh, maybe he gives you that idea. Like, maybe you're close. Like, no, no, not even. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's such a great... No, that's wrong. <laughs> Our brother from... Uh, was it New Zealand? Is he from New Zealand? I believe so, yeah. Uh, Welcome, thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks again. for watching, brother. Uh, it is not bungee jumping. Not bungee jumping. Oh, Chad says... he's Now, are you... Chad, are you saying you're thinking about an answer, or are you saying you think thinking, thinking. is what kills people? <laughs> <laughs> it could, because it's a good answer it, either it way. Is. I think the number might be higher, though. You know. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, roller derby. Oh, that's a great guess. I love it. It is not. Not roller derby. God, what a great guess. It's not sporting roller. events. It has anything to do with sporting events. Yeah, sports? Nope. Not sports. Mm-mm. And it's not workplace. It is not. It's not military. Mm-mm. Um, 
and it's really difficult. This one is a difficult one to give clues for. So these 34 people, have they, do the deaths take place in the home? Um, uh, location is irrelevant. Okay, location's irrelevant. Is it mostly men or women? So most of them are men. But it's not, it's not gender specific? Correct. Correct. Okay. Hmm. Um, you said North America? Yep. Just, just the U.S. Is, do these, um, are, are they specific to a season? They are not. They're not specific to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, are they specific? So, is, are they hobby related? Um, it is not. And I will. I'm going to read some uh, demographics here. So the number of annual emergency department visits involving this increased from 10,000 in 2007 to uh, 20,700 in 2011. So in just four years, it doubled. Um, Is it ladder accidents? Chad's guess. Uh, it is not. We did do ladders. Did we do ladders? I think so. Um, so a lot of ER visits. Yep. And here's, so this has been associated with cardiac arrest, myocardial infarction, spontaneous coronary dissection, and coronary spasm. Is it yelling? Ooh, No. It's not like throwing a temper tantrum. No, that's good. Because I was thinking about the, I'm thinking about our brand owner here. I'm thinking about dissident. I'm thinking about (laughs) ranting, raving, Mm -hmm. tirades. Okay, so. I just fired up the rant, by the way. And two two puffs in, I dig it. Here's another. So this, uh, it's a growing industry. And uh, it's predicted to reach 61 billion by 2021. From reading it's- Facebook posts. <laughs> uh, oh, is it? We did that a few uh, months ago. We did. Yeah, that was one of the. What do we go though? I mean, if you got, you know. So, uh, estimated thirty percent of teenagers between twelve and seventeen do this. Um, is it m- military personnel? found that nearly 45% of deployed service members do this at least once a day. Well, I think I know what it is. Do it about masturbating? Is it masturbating? It is not masturbating. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Is it self-driving cars? No. That's kind of, is that, is that, well, self-driving cars, that kind of is masturbating. Masturbate. It is never, a little bit. Never mind. <laughs> uh, um, 
Um, this is one of the toughest ones we've ever had. Okay, so here we go. Uh, although commonly promoted as supplements, these can boost performance and cognition. These have also been reported to have numerous detrimental side effects, particularly cardiovascular, cardiovascular and neurological. It's energy drinks. It is energy yep. drinks. Yep. Yep. See, there's another reason why I don't drink those things. I mean, I just, I, I can't drink them because they make me feel weird. But I just, I, I tried one one time. It was a monster something or other energy drink. And it's, I, it, it made, it literally, I felt like my arms were no longer attached to my body. It felt so <laughs> unnatural. I mean, I, I, I can attest to it. I mean, the military those things all the time. And, you know, yeah. especially when you're deployed, you get the, the, the small cans of what they called Rip It was the brand of it, Rip It. And, man, they were in every chow hall, every anywhere. I mean, they just gave them out to us, you know. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, and, and I got that idea from your Instagram uh, feed where uh, you were uh, throwing down a uh, energy drink. Was it the Surge? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I mean surge isn't really surge, energy. Surge drink. Was, it, was yeah, like the, it was like the precursor for energy drinks. It was. Yeah. 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 It's like Jolt Cola. Right. You know, yeah. It's just yep. just a little bit of extra caffeine, but yep. it doesn't have that garana and that other weird Yeah. That yeah. that's I think that's the stuff that that gives me the the, the, the wings. The, yeah. The wings. The wings, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> I, I I I was yeah, it was not a good day when I drank that. And it was one of the big, you know, the big cans. Yeah, that's not for you to drink like all day, you know. And I ch- I chugged it in like 15 minutes. <laughs> and I felt, yeah, don't ever just don't ever do that. My wife felt, does two a day. Oh, two yikes. monsters a day. Ooh, time to cut back. A little bit. Yeah. I'm going to share that one with her. <laughs> Well, uh, that was a good one, Garrett. That Thank took, you. That yeah. one stopped us big time. So that is this week's Numero de los Muertos. So much better when I'm in studio. So much better. We, yeah, because when, when we try to sync up our voices when he's somewhere else, not in, it's impossible. So No. Nope. Uh, so... Like we said, Ben, last time you were on the show, we had just introduced the lightning round, and, and you've already been through our, our traditional lightning round questions. So I came up with a few different ones. Um, so if you could bring back any fashion trend from the past, what would it be? Oh, um, popped collars, man. Popped Ooh. collars. Wow. Now, are we talking one collar, two collars, three two collars? collars. Pop those two collars up. Two you know, collars. Three collars pop up. Yeah. Love it. I, I like, like that. That's a great one. See, man. that that's why that's why I liked the members only jackets in the eighties, because the <laughs> collar the collar was already popped, baby. That's right. <laughs> uh all right. Um who was your and it can be multiple, um, who was your your biggest childhood or teenage celebrity crush? Oh man, I had like three of them. Um, I had a crush on Danielle Fischel for a while, who was on Boy Meets World. Oh, Winnie? 
I had Winnie Cooper. Yep. I, uh, Danita Keller. Uh, I had a Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. Was, uh, the Boy, the Boy Meets World and Wonder Years. That that uh, Winnie Cooper was from Wonder Years. I had a big crush on her. She was my first love. And then uh, Danielle Fischel was on Boy Meets World, where um, Ben Savage, the Topanga. younger brother of Fred Savage, yeah, Topanga. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oddly enough, um, the princess from uh, Neverending Story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Oh yeah. Uh, how about you? What was yours? Oh. Um. Oh boy. Um. Mine was my first real uh, crush, Elizabeth Shue. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was ba- uh, Adventures yeah. in Babysitting. Oh yeah. yeah. There you go. And then uh, for Karate Kid. And then Karate Her Kid. Karate Kid for me. Yeah, that's definitely one. Um, that's a good one. Oh, uh, Jennifer Connelly. Oh yeah. Oh, and, I still have a crush on her. I mean, is that, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's even even still today. She's like fifty, right? Like, yeah. But oh, she's well, so fifty. So am I. She don't but, know. I mean, like, she's my age. I know. She's like forty nine or fifty. She's my age. She looks better than you than at this age. <laughs> She 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 is killing it, uh, but mm-hmm. but even even back in the eighties when she was, uh, what was that? labyrinth, labyrinth, but also the where she was in the tar- she, they were trapped in a Target store at late one night. Oh, uh, with what's that movie called? What the hell was it? Was John Cryer the other guy in that movie? No, it wasn't John Cryer. Mm-hmm. Um, but sh- shit, what the hell? If anybody remembers the name of that movie, put it in the comments. But uh, yeah, in that movie, I mean, yikes! You want to talk about teenage crush? Holy cow! Um, but and uh, and Bradley Cooper, and uh, he's just not a, that into you. Was married to her, and then got to make out with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, movie. like oh, I know, poor guy. Sure. I mean, he's got a you know some oh, yeah. some people have you know a tough life, and he's one of those people. He's just not a, that into you. Yeah. Um, beautiful mind. She beautiful, was, yeah, oh beautiful. yeah, yeah, she was. All right, so Ben, if you could add anyone to Mount Rushmore, oh, and it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a president. But I mean, considering their presidents on there, maybe stick with that. But it really doesn't have to be. But if you could add anyone to Mount Rushmore, who would it be? Dave Chappelle. Yes. That, I didn't even think of that. That is a fantastic answer. I love that answer. Oh, man. It's, yeah. That is fantastic. That cracks. I love that. That's, yeah. That wins. That's a mic drop right there. Have a good night. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Dude, that's perfect answer. I love that. I love Dave Chappelle. I love oh that guy. Oh, my gosh. I love him so much. I, I that His latest Netflix special that came out a while ago, I... I I seriously think I watch it once a week. It's just one of the funniest specials he's ever done. He's on um, that show, uh, you know, David Letterman's doing that. My next guest is, and yes. he's on that as well too. It was very, very awesome, awesome uh, episode. Yeah. All right, so that's yeah, that's our lightning rounds. Just some <laughs> different, interesting questions that uh, yeah, we had to kind of dig deep in the vault for some since you've already had the, the previous ones, but. Um, and I remember your answer from the first time you were on that we, one of the regular questions is, you know, if you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? And yours was like, 
totally not aggressive music. You know, it was like, um, I don't even, it was, it was like love, love songs. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's L- right. Linda Ronstadt or something. Or Wasn't it like Whitney Houston or something like yeah. Yeah. somebody. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Um, unbreak my heart. Unbreak, oh, unbreak my heart. Yeah. Tony Braxton. <laughs> Celine, Celine, yeah, play the music from Titanic. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so let's talk about our notable um, smokable of the week. Uh, again, Ben, we talked about a cigar we smoked recently that, that was interesting to us. It could have been on the market for, for decades, or it could be brand new. Um, uh, so, Garrett, did you have a notable this week? Dude, I did. Um, so, Carolina Blue. Um, you know, we are really blessed to, to do the show and, and get a lot of, um, you know, really smaller boutique cigars and it's really fun. And I wasn't able to join on the show with Matt. I was sick. I had the, I had the Rona and, uh, he had on Chris from Carolina blue cigars and I got to smoke. Um, I smoked three of them because that first one that I had, it was fantastic. And with a lot of these small guys, you don't know what you're going to get a lot of times. You know, you don't know if they're just just trying to get in the cigar business because they like cigars. But that was a damn good cigar. So I actually just I just smoked the Limitada. Today, yeah, today it was that Limitada. Yeah, that was the one that stood out, and it is very good. So shout out to Carolina Blue. Um, Ben, is there anything you smoked recently outside of your, your own portfolio that kind of caught your interest? Yeah. I mean, um, this, the other, when I was up in Oklahoma city, um, I haven't got to smoke the new LJZ. Um, you know, I was down the factory when James was playing around with some concepts, but I didn't get to, you know, smoke the finished product, uh, you know, co- coronavirus, all that stuff going on. And, uh, our rep, you know, Joel Reeser gave me one and, um, I was really interested, you know, to smoke it and, uh, Again, you know, phenomenal cigar, you know, a lot different than the other LJZ, which I I really, really loved. Um, This one, you know, again, surprised me. I really, really digged it. Um, I'm glad I finally got, got, you know, even though I'm with Van Edgar Brands, I finally got the, glad I finally got to get my hands on it, you know, Uh, really good cigar. Yeah. Uh, Mine this week was, um, so Hoya Hoya de Nicaragua. Uh, released the Cinco de Cadas a couple of years ago uh, for the 50th anniversary of the brand. Uh, and they about once a year release a new Vitola in that blend. And they just released the new, um, uh, uh, it's a box press Bellicoso they call it El Doctor. Mm. And uh, I, I enjoy that blend and, uh, a lot already. Uh, but that that Vitola is really outstanding uh because it, it it because that vitola it's the same size and shape of that original when they uh, released the uh um uh the quattro cinco mm-hmm. you know the and it's that was always just a standout cigar when it was released and then having that same vitola in this cinco de Cadas blend it's yeah. it's a really standout um size in that blend so i just smoked one of those recently i um, always think of chad johnson when i hear that cigar cuatro ocho cinco yeah yeah you're close yeah i mean awful you know a little bit 
this guy. All right. So, uh, viewers and listeners, uh, as always, guys, we have some great stuff coming up uh, in the coming weeks. Actually, we have something very unusual for How About That Cigar Live. We're doing a show. Uh, we're doing another show tomorrow night. Uh, we're part of the uh, the, the week long uh, La Zona Palooza takeover from the guys at uh, Espinosa Cigars. So uh, tomorrow night, a little bit earlier than the regular show, we're going to go live at eight p.m. Central, nine p.m. Uh, Eastern. So uh, join us tomorrow night when we're going to have the crew from Espinosa Cigars on. Uh, and then uh, next Tuesday night, uh, we have scheduled to be on the show uh, Robert Holt from Southern Draw Cigars for his uh, second appearance on uh, How About That Cigar Live. No relation. No relation. Um, so uh, Maybe a distant ben, relation. Maybe a distant relation. Maybe, maybe distant, yeah. Uh, so, Ben, give us, uh, again, we talked about it a little earlier, but give us uh, kind of the final idea. Where's the best place for our viewers and listeners to get the up-to-date info on distant and all the Oveja Negra brands? Hey, go to ovejanegracigars.com. Um, from there, you'll be able to see everything, all our news on there. You'll be able to find out where our retailers are and, um, you know, just all, all the cigars that we have available on the market right now. Um, and a good, good source of information. You know, we put a lot of work in that website. It's a really awesome website. And like I said, it's just it's, it, there's a plethora of information out there for anybody who wants to know anything about Ovea Negra, Black Label Black Works, Dissident and Amelia. Nice. Nice. Now, well, I, I, I want to talk more about this rant because I just fired it up, but it's. Uh, it is obviously a very different cigar than um, than the rave that I just finished, but um, I, I, I dig it right away. I mean, it's it's super bold, and the retro hail is is burning in the best possible way. You know, I I really like it a lot. So uh, this one's you know starting out great. So Ben, brother, thank you again yeah, for being ben. on the show again. We appreciate your time and. Uh, you know, we, we wish you a, a, a peaceful close to 2020 and and a 2021 that is uh, as normal as possible and, and and back to hopefully some some business as usual and, and and more continued success. Thank you guys for having me on the show. It's a pleasure, especially on this day. You know, um, you guys are always fun to talk to and chat with and you guys it's, it's never a dull moment. Um, thank you guys very much for giving me a, you know, an a place to talk to about it and, you know, a, a good evening of entertainment. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. And again, thank you for your service and uh happy Marine birthday. Yes. Appreciate it. And happy veterans day to your brother and to any family members you guys have served and to anybody else out there. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys very much. Seriously. From one veteran to another, it means a lot. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. All of, all of those of you out of there, out there, viewers and listeners, if you've served in the past or are currently serving, uh, thank you so much for what you do and uh, wherever you are, stay safe and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep uh, keep up the good work uh, for our viewers and listeners. Again, as, as always, if you have questions for us, uh, email us directly on the website. How about that cigar dot com. You can follow us on all the social medias uh, at HBT Cigar. And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys.